Welcome to the Pinning Combination Podcast. I'm KJ Pilcher alongside Dick Briggs. Ready to talk a little bit of wrestling. Not a lot going on, but it's 2024. Happy New Year, Coach. Happy New Year. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> now we're getting into the thick of the season, aren't we? Yep. For all levels. Right. The High school, college. High schools had their time off. We had a little bit going on, and college for that matter, you know, during finals and that sort. But we had some uh, some college action. Uh, the smaller colleges will kick it in this week and at the uh, NWCA National Duels. And uh, so here we go. Yeah, big uh, big weekend coming up on, on that front. Um, let's take a look back. Just a few things uh, since we last uh, talked to you before. Uh, the Christmas holiday. We've got three. Uh, we've got three tournaments here uh, during the break um, with the southern the southern scuffle that just finished. You have Midlands and the Soldier Salute. You know, it used to be the Midlands was was the biggie. Um, the Southern Scuffle strength. Uh, Soldier Salutes in there now. Has it kind of watered down the competition for all three? Yes, and I think the the uh, some of the the top ranked uh, teams are, are laying off during during the holiday. Um, I, you know, you didn't see um, you didn't really see uh, Iowa State at the that the Southern Scuffle. You and I it wasn't there, um, um, or at Midlands. And then uh, Penn State, obviously. Uh, so, you know, some of the, the top-ranked teams just didn't compete. So I'm wondering, you know, they went to – a lot of them went to high-powered tournaments early on in the season, had some duels. Maybe they're just kind of – maybe that's a new trend is to not have as much, uh, you know, those high-powered meets. All three of those meets were, in your words, watered down. I, th- I thought the fields were, were in some cases, weak. I thought the Southern – I mean, the, the uh, Soldier Salute was – and it's just getting started, but – when you're competing with those other two and you got schools that aren't attending, you know, it's, it's hard to get a, a solid field in there. And, and I think I asked you that, you know, how many D one schools had their, their, their varsity, their starting lineups there. And you mentioned one and I, and I had to look and I don't think it's even a D one school. And I, you might've mentioned six or seven, was it? Yeah. Um, I, I didn't realize you'd asked D one only. Um, I think maybe Bellarmine is what you're right, yeah. mentioning. That's a D2 school. Right. D2 yeah. school. That's a D2 school. I had to look in Kentucky. Yep. <laughs> yep. So. Yeah. Um, the former Hawkeye coach is there, uh, Ned Schock. Um, they also have a former Iowa City West Prep uh, in Grand Odell. So I'm sure that probably uh, factors in a little bit and and makes it a, a reasonable decision to come and compete. Right. right. So those, you know, the Midlands was, you know, not the, the glory days, the golden years of the Midlands, you know, when an elite camp is beating a Dan Gable sort mm-hmm. of thing. And I guess I didn't have it in Midlands, but, uh, you know, that those types of that competition, you know, open wrestlers coming in there on Olympic gears and, and, uh, because that tournament was the tournament, man. And then the Southern Scuffle for many years was also right up there. And then, you know, this year, I think I said on our last podcast that uh, six, they only had six top 10 
ranked kids in at that tournament. Um, so, and you know, the highest oh, really. is like maybe a second, maybe a third, something like that. And the rest were kind of lower ranking. So, uh, you know, it's just, yeah, I, it's kind of where we're at. Maybe that's what we need to expect, you know, from here on. Out. Yeah. Uh, uh, personally, I, I think there's a lot of potential with the soldier salute. I, I might, maybe I'm in the minority, but you know, um, you did see Minnesota, North Carolina bring their number one, uh, their number one guys. But Luke Eustace talked about how he's building relationships with other coaches, and he, you know, maybe at first they kind of painted him in hot colors because that's where his background was. He was a, you know, a national finalist for for Iowa. He was on the coaching staff as director of operations. Um, at Iowa, but I think he's more geared towards making this a tournament, um, a top tournament um, with Sean Brew, the Iowa City Sports Commission and everything. So I, I think there's a lot of potential um, going forward just because of the, the, the determination of the people that are in charge to make this um, a really good tournament. And you know, I think on the women's side, they've definitely uh, gotten to that. I tell you, there are some fun matches, and you've got uh, teams, you know, Life and Indiana Tech and Iowa, you know, uh, that it, it was fun. I, I just think it just needs some more time. You know, you keep adding two varsity teams each time, you know, in a handful of years, it's going to be – it's going to be pretty good if they can continue that growth and, and, and really take some leaps and bounds and sell people on, this is not just an Iowa tournament. This is oh college wrestling open. Well, and on the backside of that, the other thing I'll add is you mentioned, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say as a, as a, a, a father of a family that benefited from their t direct tournament there, on the COVID year 2021, when they had the NWCA, and thank you NWCA for stepping up and and uh, bringing that Thanks. national tournament. But with a son that was a uh, you know a, not only a participant but a champion there, and uh, you know proud to have had that opportunity. And I'll never, I'll always embrace that staff down there. And, and uh, you know, so that's just what I wanted to chip in there. For sure, for sure. Um... And I can't remember what else. I, oh, the, the other thing I was going to mention, too, you mentioned open competitors, um, you know, post-grads that Midlands uh, seem to have that just kind of dwindled out. I'm sure there's a lot of reasons for that. But, you know, there are a lot of members from the Hawkeye Wrestling Club that were there, right? You know, um, some of them were taking coaching roles for, like, uh, red shirts or unattached wrestlers um which is cool but boy you know i think it would be a natural for maybe some of those uh open competitors with the the hawkeye wrestling club with cyclone wrestling club with uh the the panther wrestling club which you know that i i think they did have one with uh cam guther uh former west delaware prep who's um uh i think periodically training with the panther wrestling club uh he 
competed unattached at heavyweight. So uh, it, w- it would be nice to see um, maybe some more take advantage of that. And that might help the field a little. Right. You know, um, obviously Iowa is going to keep some schools away. You know, your big, your big, like Penn State wouldn't come to a meet that I was at, not, not this early in the season, nor would Oklahoma State, probably not North probably not, Carolina yeah. State right now, Michigan probably not, because they're going to compete later on in, a lot in the, in the, during the season oh. duels and uh, at the tournament. So those types of schools are going to stay away naturally because it's Iowa, but it's that maybe that look, that next level uh, of teams that can step up and, and then it, when that happens, those unattached wrestlers as well. Um, but, you know, this tournament uh, was nice that we, the, the thing I was looking forward to, and I, we had talked about this, and I know you were too, KJ, was that was the Iowa matchups within their own program, both uh, as Hawkeyes and we, our incoming Hawkeyes. Well, that didn't disappoint, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, had a couple of those, um, those rumored to be coming in. Um, and just generally speaking on the men's side, uh, Iowa had eight champs, uh, Drew Ayala at 125, Brody Teske, 33, Real Woods, who, uh, talk about one of the marquee matchups. Uh, you had, uh, two, uh, uh, top five wrestlers there, mm-hmm. um, a returning national finalist. And I can't remember if, uh, McNeil is a returning All-American or national qualifier or or which, but that you know that was a big one that Real Woods won. Um, 149, Caleb Rachi, one of those two uh, that we'll talk about. Um, uh, Jared Frenick at 157. Michael Caliendo, that was a big head-to-head we'll talk about um, as well. Gabe Arnold at 174. Um, Zach Glazier, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that one too at, uh, at 197. Uh, so... You know, this was a this was an event that uh, Tom Brands had mentioned. Um, you know, it was gonna it was gonna separate some, you know uh, the, the chaff from the wheat, right, or uh, whatever that expression is. Um, so we had some head to heads. One forty nine was a big one where. Uh, Rachi beat uh, uh, Kate Seabrecht and then beat Victor Voinovich uh, in the semis before facing uh, Anthony Ferrari, who, um, you know, a lot of people believe will be part of the program um, here the second semester. Um, you know, at 165, that was a big one. Patrick Kennedy had been wrestling at 174 uh, this year. He's down to 65, faces Caliendo in the finals, and Caliendo won uh, pretty handily. Uh, not handily, but I think he was always in control. Teske beat Van D from Nebraska in the finals, who had beaten Colin Shriver in the semis. So I guess at first glance, you're thinking the performances, uh, Teske, Rachi, um, and Caliendo have kind of put themselves at that kind of um, top of the ladder for right now. We'll see how their results going forward, uh, whether that, that keeps them there or not. Uh, I was impressed with Drew Ayala. Uh, you know, he finally got that uh, that win over McKee. 
you know, that was big for him. And then he followed it up with a win against Volk from uh, Wyoming. Now, remember, Volk didn't really challenge Spencer Lee, but took Spencer Lee the distance last year in this event uh, when he was redshirting. Volk's a really, really uh, talented uh, wrestler. That's a quality win for Ayala, and especially having it on the next side of beating McKee for the first time. Um, that uh, I think that says a lot about Ayala, even though he still isn't real pleased with his own performance as a competitor. Volka's ranked seventh in what, what the poll that I was looking at. So, I mean, he's obviously a you know very good wrestler. McKee's all the way down to 20th. I don't know what that's about because that, that's a He's a all American, yeah. and uh, you know, so so kind of looking, you know, he kind of broke it down the weight. So based on that, I kind of did this. I'm looking at in my mind, you got three locks of the ten weights. You got three locks: Drake Ayala, Real Woods, and, and Jared Frannick are pretty much locks at their weight. I think. Then you've got, as you said. At 133, Teske, it kind of favors it over over Schriever right now because he, you know, with that common opponent in the finals that he beat Van D and Van D beat Schriever. And then you got uh, Rathjen is kind of favored over Ferrari, Voinovich, and uh, and uh, Seabrick. And then, and uh, you know, at this point in time, but boy, is that a deep weight, right? And then one, uh, 165, Caliendo fa now favors over Kennedy. Uh, with that win and then at 174 big question mark does arnold take the red shirt off do they use him periodically just in the big meets and keep the red shirt on which i think is what's probably going to happen uh but then who steps in at 74 does kennedy bump up does is there someone uh because there was uh, i don't know who that might be so and then at 184 that's a big question mark right now um uh, i'm not sure i have an answer for that one yeah in 97 if Ferrari uh, jumps in, then Glazier. If, if not, Glazier. Glazier hit wrestled him tight. That's it. You know, so did a nice job there. And then, uh, then at two eighty five, Hill, who's been doing a nice job. I think he's been doing a nice job. But well, there's this guy named Ben Keeter, world champ, that might step in. You know, so, so who knows what might happen there? Or do they do they use <laughs> periodically at meets and redshirt him as well? Because he's got you know five that he can go before he redshirts off. So lots of questions there that didn't really get answered. You know, some did and not all of them. So we'll see. Um, after, uh, after the uh, uh, finals, I asked uh, uh, Tom Brands about uh, Gabe Arnold. And, and here was the, the comment from uh, Gabe um, you know, uh, we still have some time with him, uh, some attached competition, um, that we can wrestle him. I think that it's, it's either one or two. Um, I think it was originally four meets that you could wrestle. Now it might be five. It's five. Um, but we'll see. But he said some attached competition that we can wrestle him where we won't burn the red shirt. We will be very smart with that. Uh, he can score points. He's explosive. Um, is Gabe Arnold? So, uh, you know, they're still teetering. I think on on what to do, and you know, a lot of it might be what other opponents get plugged into the lineup. 
and how successful they are. Like a Ben Keeter at heavyweight, you know, uh, if he gets plugged in and he has success, how many points is he going to be able to generate at heavyweight? Um, you know, if, uh, you know, AJ Ferrari ends up becoming a hot guy and is the 197 pounder, how many points, you know, what does he do for points? And what does that do for their stock as far as finishing anywhere from, you know, one to, to four? Okay, so we'll kind of kind of stay take a stab at the elephant, you know, in the middle of the room here. Um, the the situation with the uh, the Ferrari brothers, um, you know, they're rumored rumored to join the Iowa team in the second semester. On the record, uh, I have not seen anything official, and nobody has really said anything. Um, AJ Ferrari was at an Iowa meet. He posted something about taking an official visit. I believe Anthony has committed. I don't think there is a, anything signed. Um, and any idea of when it really will come to fruition. Okay, but I think a lot of people are expecting expecting it to happen in January. Yeah, I think I think a, a, an athlete is official when they first start that first day of classes. I could be wrong on that, but I think that's when, so he, he might be enrolled, but until he starts that first day, that until he attends that first class, I think that's how that works. At least that's how it used to, <laughs> but I'm pretty removed okay. from that. Okay. And of course, uh, Anthony faced Caleb Rachi in the finals. Uh, Rachi won seven to two. Um, second takedown was at the very end where uh, Anthony Ferrari was, really kind of, you know, not in desperation mode, but you know what I mean. He kind of got overextended, gave up a takedown at the end that just kind of added uh, to Rachi's um, final. Rachi gets up, a little bit of a shove, even though I didn't see it at first. Um, don't think it was a big deal. On the way back to the to the mat, uh, center of the mat, Anthony Ferrari kind of gives him a shove in the back. Nothing really big. Rachi... Turns to him in the center and gives that AJ Ferrari flex, um, you know, or Ferrari's flex that sent the crowd in. Uh, some cheering, some booing. Um, but, you know, uh, Rachi was really fired up. Afterwards, um, you know, uh, shortly after the, the match was over, uh, interviews in the hallway with Rachi. At the end, I asked, you know, uh, there was a lot of, you know, some excitement there at the end. And I asked if it was competitive juices or anything else. He goes, competitive juices. Freaking these guys think they're going to come in here uh, and they're going to be the guys. I had other things to say about that. So, you know, whether or not that was just the heat of the moment or, you know, if there's a rift, which I think a lot of people think there is between maybe guys coming in. Um and guys that have been in the room um, for a while. But, you know, I didn't think 149 was that big of a deal, you know, with what kind of transpired afterwards. Couple, how, did couple, you, how did you take it? A uh, couple of things. Uh, first of all, we mentioned, uh, you know, I mentioned last uh, uh, podcast that, that uh, 
Uh, guys aren't going to be happy when when you know people if it, come in from the transfer portal or or coach. They're going to feel like coaches over you know recruit over the top of them or you know they you know programs aren't building their own. They're just you know stealing other sort of thing. You know and uh, you know so you know those kids that are in that room and, and loyal to the program are getting you know feel like they're getting maybe a little trampled or something. So that's I'm guessing what the feeling is there. Uh, and I you know I can see that. Uh, as far as the push goes on both sides, because there was a little push from, from Rachi. Yeah. And, you know, uh, that's, you know, if we go back into, you know, when the brands were wrestling, there was like big pushes. You know, I watched them push a guy, one of the brands push a guy with, they went off the mat, the whistle had blown, the bottom man was standing up and he pushed him and sprained his ankle and he couldn't wrestle the match anymore. So the brands know about that pushing. And as a high school coach, I had to try and teach. And I know other coaches and officials as well had to, try and police the high school kids not to do that. Well, here we are again, and I hope that doesn't transpire again. But, uh, you know, so, you know, a little push by Rachi, nothing bad, but from from the high school coach looking at it sort of view, um, you know, that sends a message to high school kids. Oh, I, I need to do that to do this intimidation thing or something. And, uh, you know, but then Ferrari responds with as as Rachi's back walking with his back to Ferrari to the middle comes up both hands and pushes him in the back, you know that that was blatant. So yeah, if you're gonna point anyone there, or you know you, you point both of them, I think. But usually the guy that retaliates retaliates is the one that gets it and gets called. And uh, you know so you know there's a <laughs> lot going on that didn't seem like a lot, but then it built up to a lot. And and uh, so. <laughs> Then moved on to the next match. <laughs> <laughs> and at 197, that's where the big fireworks uh, um, were displayed. Um, so Zach Glazier, uh, the starter, had had a real good win over Joel's from Minnesota um, to get to the finals, right? Uh, let's not forget that, uh, too. But... They're 1-1 at the end of regulation, going to sudden victory with two seconds left to go. Ferrari finishes a takedown and wins. And Zach Glazier kind of gets up to his, you know, gets up to his base and pounds on the on the mat. Uh, Ferrari, AJ Ferrari comes around and then kind of presses his head down. Um a little bit and of course Zach Glazier uh responds gets up grabs a leg and pushes him uh Ferrari reacts uh at first I thought it was a straight punch it wasn't it was kind of a swiping motion more than anything um not that that really makes much difference as far as I'm concerned um and then he flips off uh Glazier um, one thing that I don't think is getting mentioned a lot is the swipe. Uh, that makes contact with an official. And not just over the shoulder, that wrapped around. And there's a view a video from behind the skirmish where that hits the official right here. Um, and a lot of people are upset that he was uh, DQ'd for uh technical misconduct is that correct flagrant, flagrant is that the actual call it's flagrant misconduct flagrant misconduct okay okay um 
But yeah, he didn't mean to, but he essentially hit an official. You know, that's a no-no. With any sport, any sport making any kind of contact with officials is is bad, right? So I don't I think the call was correct. Here, here's one thing I want to ask you about uh, as far as officials, right? Now, from my understanding or from what I've learned, at least at the high school level, the minute an official walks into the school, he is in charge, right? I didn't realize this. I thought maybe ADs were or whatever, but when officials walk in, they're in charge, and they're in charge until – he signs the bout sheet or now the electronic, you know, sign. Is that correct? At the high school level, it is. I don't know how it relates in, at the college level. I would assume the same. Okay. Because, okay. see, that's why a lot of people were so confused about after the match. And it's like the tournament's not done. You can be DQ'd as far as I'm uh, – as far as I know, you can be DQ'd anytime the tournament is still going on, whether – you're done wrestling or not. Well, and even am that, I am I off on that? No, you're not off. And, and I'll go one step closer, further, whatever. That that the match isn't even over. Yeah, that the match time is over, but there's the procedure after the match that that every, every wrestler is responsible for shaking hands and and uh and so forth. So that that's part of the match procedure. So uh, but I have two questions or, or comments about officiating. One uh, the the, uh, the the stall call late in the third period. I did see that, and I thought that was uh, I thought it was spot on. Ferrari had an opportunity in college. If you back out, really? that's a point. Ferrari had an opportunity to circle on. Instead, he circled off and backed off, and that's stalling. And if he already had a warning on him, that's a point. And so some people are kind of complaining about that. As an official, I see that as the right call. So I think uh, our official Eric Eckerman did a good job on that. Uh, uh, then, then, uh, after the match, I do have a question here. I, you know, I, I thought that if a person's DQ'd, that doesn't after, after the match, I don't know that that necessarily awards the other person the match. So the time is out and, but, you know, so I don't know, right. I just answered my own question, but I thought that the timeout now time is out that matches technically over in terms of the, the time, uh, they still have the, the handshake procedure, but. But uh, so I didn't know that that necessarily elevated that person that lost in this place, in the case Glazier, to be the champion. So I, I might have thought that it'd be AJ was disqualified. Glazier stays at number two, no champion. Um, but I don't know. That's that's just me. I have not talked to anyone and I'm curious on that. I'll have to research that a little bit <laughs> with my college reference friends. Well, the thing I'll uh, I'll liken it to is um, when you've had somebody DQ'd in a tournament and they lose all their team points, their spot on the award stand is empty. empty. Right. Uh, seen that at both the high school and college levels where the guy that got six was booted. And they went one, two, three, four, five, blank, seven, eight. The guy that got seventh didn't move up. So that's that's where I kind of – I also question kind of what happened or how it was awarded um, that, okay, if he's DQ'd, 
he's not the champ, but Glazier's still a runner-up. Right. Does that make sense? That's what I was thinking. So, and uh, you know, and that's something that has. So I was surprised when they raised Glazier's hand. Right, and it's something in in uh, Eckerman's defense. It's just something that doesn't happen. I don't know that I've ever seen that at the uh, at the championship level. The winner gets flagrant right. misconduct, and uh, and so it's you know I I, that, I'm sure he if if he miscalled it. It's because it's, you know, he's probably never seen it. And, and, you know, it certainly will be, if he called it right, then then he's on and he's, you know, spot on. But, but that one was one of my questions there. And, uh, you know, the, I just, you know, I don't, I, did you go further after the match? Did you, with your story, with the uh, Ferrari, what he did after with the splits? and I, I did not uh, get to that uh, where he did the splits and then, Flipped off the crowd because uh, they reacted with uh, a lot of boos um, and then cheering for Glazier. I think that rubbed him the wrong way. And then he did his splits and flipped off the crowd. My, uh, I tweeted something afterwards that, you know, I've never seen anything like this. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I, Okay, I've seen somebody flip off a crowd, right? Right here in Carver Hawkeye Arena, Oklahoma State's Alan Gila, uh, was it Gilagayev? Um, You remember him? He was like a 97-pounder, or 90-pounder, 97-pounder uh, uh, heavyweight for Okie State the one year. Uh, when he was walking off the Carver mat, he flipped off the Carver crowd. I've seen that before. I've seen people throw punches afterwards. But the whole dynamic of where, you know, this is somebody that's kind of had, you know, wrestling taking away from him. And here he's getting a second chance. And he's wrestling for the first time in two years. And he's wrestling against, you know, when they were in the back warming up, they're right around the Iowa team. Not with the Iowa team, but near them, right? Um so they're together in some fashion. He's got Hawkeye Wrestling Club members in his corner. And, you know, this is the team that they're expecting him to, to join. And all that happens. Um, that's what I meant by that's the first time I ever saw it. Just the whole situation and how that uh, uh, ended, you know, it, it was just so bizarre. Right. So strange. And so by doing that, Anthony, or sorry, AJ, he alienates probably 80% of the Iowa fan base and, and 100% of those that aren't Iowa fans. Yeah. They already didn't like Iowa. But, you know, they think Iowa is cocky and so forth. So they're going to, you know, this is just more reason to tack on mm -hmm. to the hate for Iowa. But, uh, you know, so so now that's what this puts. I mean, this is an interesting situation because he—they're not on the team yet, and they have the younger brother who's committed to Iowa. So we're talking, you know, three three Ferraris, in, you know, some stage or another, and and so now you've got you. I, who knows what the conversations have been before in terms of you know, if there's any scholarship offers or I don't even know I don't know about nil, but that could be offered that sort of thing, but uh, you know, so here's a guy that hasn't enrolled two guys that haven't even enrolled yet 
and now they're already up in arms with the with the fan base and the, the coaches are in that tough spot. I mean, if you take them in and you and the, this happens again, this explodes again, which is you know very likely it could happen very well. It could happen. It is just now they look greedy. The coaches look greedy because we've got you know this, these talented wrestlers, but bringing them in with no you know no ethics or whatever. And, uh, you know, so it's just a tough spot for the coaches to be in. And the, and the Ferraris, really, the doors are closing with their opportunities. They, they got, you know, especially uh, AJ, who, got, you know, got left at Oklahoma State. I don't know if he was kicked out or if he left on his own, but, but uh, certainly not in the program anymore. Uh, you know, if the door closes with Iowa, you know, other uh, schools are looking at this and going, no, I don't think I want to touch that sort of thing. So, you know, this is maybe – you know, maybe AJ's last chance. He may have slammed the door shut on himself. So we'll see how this plays out. But those are the situations. That's where it's kind of at. It's a it's a tough situation for the coaches to be in. The athlete put himself there, and his and his family and brother maybe. So um, brothers. So uh, it's just I don't know. We'll see how that plays out. So my first thought was, this was taking a torch to the bridge, right? Um, I I called and talked to you that night mm -hmm. and just thought, there's no way. There's absolutely no way that this goes forward. Get to thinking about it now. We'll say that AJ Ferrari, Ferrari did kind of issue a quasi-apology on Instagram, um, whether that was something that was encouraged for him to do or if he did that on his own volition, we'll never know. Um, but there was kind of, you know, kind of that uh, him saying he was disappointed in his actions and and people of Iowa have been good to him and stuff like that. So trying to uh, smooth things over. But the other thing that comes to mind that makes me think that this is still a thing that's going to happen is uh, I think Terry Brands, I think Terry Brands and, and Tom Brands kind of have this redeeming, they, they believe in the redeeming quality of wrestling, right? Where they want to work with people you, you saw it with some wrestlers in the past. They've tried to do this with, uh, there was a guy from George Mason um, once that went to, uh, Kale, maybe Kale Byers was his name. I, I'm trying to remember um, that they were trying to work in. He had some issues. He ended up going to Oakley, Oklahoma State um, and wrestling. Then there's the Pat Downey deal, whether he was going to be a Hawkeye or not. That didn't work out. Um, you know, Montel Marion came back. Um, and I know Montel Marion was somebody that Terry had worked with a lot at the OTC and, and stuff like that. And, and when he was at Iowa, um, you know, they what they do is they surround him by, you know, with some of the other people in the uh, uh, on the team. Like I think Montel Marion and like Matt McDonough spent a lot of time with Montel just kind of you know, um, kind of having good influences around him. Uh, you look at Austin DeSanto and how Spencer Lee 
was around him. Now, these are different categories, right? Um, not the same type of infractions that maybe um, A.J. Ferrari was accused of um, and stuff in the past. But, um, you know, so you, you've seen them kind of have this, you know, you can help somebody find redemption through wrestling. So I think that's something um, that comes into play here. Now, here's the thing. The youngest Ferrari brother, Angelo Ferrari, who's at Melissa, Texas, I believe, he's like the number one pound-for-pound recruit in his class. How much of all this is a package deal to where, you know, if we cut ties with AJ or Anthony or both, or if they both leave, do they lose Angelo too? That's something that has to be considered as well. And what's the price to pay to make sure, you know, you at least get one of those, uh, you know, one of those brothers, Angelo, you know. Well, So that has to factor in. Right. And that's, I was kind of hitting towards that. That That's it. That tough position that that Tom and Terry, frankly, are in, and uh, you know, as your comment, they like to be the ones that can can you know help help a guy. I don't know any coach in the nation that doesn't want to do that in any sport. Hopefully, that doesn't. You know, I've had plenty of kids right. on on my team that I thought, boy, this kid needs wrestling more than Russell needs him. I'm going to fight for this kid, you know, sort of thing, and help try and keep them a part of this program and these these kids that are they're around and and uh the, the adults that are around, that they're around and and uh you know so yeah everyone wants to do that but this is a t- little bit tougher situation because because of what he did towards the iowa fan base directly and you know his his you know i read that quasi is that what you said quasi <laughs> apology yeah. was apology in it it was just him being regretful and so you know, you know, hey, fans aren't dumb. They're seeing that as well. And so, you know, so my point is, is that the, the coaches are now in this situation where if they fail and he goes off the deep end again, you know, they're and maybe if they even bring him, bring him on. I can't. I don't want to put Anthony in the same one, same spot. You know, AJ is the one kind of painting right. here. But uh, uh, if they bring AJ on, then I think that brand the brands coaches they stand to lose a little bit of their, their fan support here. So um, it's, it's just a tough situation, you know, so we'll see how, like I said, how it plays out and, and uh, maybe they'll bring them on and everything will be good, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. I I mean, that's what we're just going to have to see. Like I said, I don't know exactly how this thing is. Um, You know, one of the reasons um, it's just, and we'll get into uh, some of the other things later about why it's hard to try to get answers um, later. But, you know, just we probably won't see till maybe the Minnesota duel on January 15th as far as, you know, who's included and and how things play out. There, There is 
Nebraska on January 12th, but I think that's before classes actually start. Um, so they have that Monday duel, uh, which is Martin Luther King Day, um, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, um, where they wrestle Minnesota in an, in an odd or, or an unusual or rare Monday night uh, wrestling duel. So uh, right. we'll see there or maybe even that Friday against Purdue. Now to clear it up, they could, I believe, if they're enrolled, wrestle on the 12th because the semester has ended. They could have actually okay. wrestled, but I don't know. So you're, so yeah, they could wrestle or they don't, they don't have to wait till, till the, the term starts, but that's when that, I think when they step into the classroom, that's when they're locked in and they, they're now an Iowa a, a, a student. So um, yeah, that's interesting. Now, I know maybe maybe it's too soon to go to this, but I did want to mention too at one seventy four that was just weird, and I and I was actually frankly disappointed with with Gabe Arnold uh, at the end of the match. He's wrestling a Columbia wrestler, and with you know five seconds left, would you say he's like multiple times, not just one little pat on the butt, but he did about ten times on the butt as he's on top of him riding. Kind oh, of that was in this. Was that semifinals? I think that was the semifinals against against Nebraska. Yeah. Sorry, that was Nebraska. You're right. It was semifinals. I watched too many matches. <laughs> and uh, anyway, then uh, you know, so that was just weird. I just and I'm like, that's that's uncalled for. And again, as a high school coach, you know, kids are seeing that and going, now now we're gonna have to try and stop by guys from, you know, it was almost an invasion of the the bottom wrestlers' privacy is what it was. So um, I was disappointed with that with Gabe. He's it seems like he's better now. Yeah, but I didn't time. I just saw the video. So, no, I agree. Um, let's uh, let's shift over to uh, uh, the women's side here uh, quickly. Um, you know, I I tell you what, I I really like the women's side of this tournament. Um, you know, they kind of. Uh, Russell round robin uh, and then they kind of have like a semi final if I kind of interpreted um, how things played out um, but Iowa comes away with five champs uh, Sterling Diaz uh, 101 Ava Bayless at 109 uh, Brianna Gonzalez at 116 uh, you have uh, uh, Bella uh, Nago um she was a runner-up at 123, as was Emily Frost at 130, and Lily Luft at 136. Um, Riesler Mendy was a runner-up at 143. Bella Mir, um, many people will remember that she's uh, uh, the daughter of Frank Mir, um, the MMA, uh, former MMA champ. Haley Ward. Uh, was uh, I was the last champ at 170, and then Olivia White um, was a runner up at 191. Um, and I tell you what, that uh, even though it didn't work out in Larry Mendy's favor, she wrestled Jamila McBride. McBride, uh, learning from uh, Win Magazine's uh, Mike Finn, um, there are three McBride sisters from Life University that uh. I think all were in the finals. Um, uh, I think uh, one was a champ, and uh, 
or two were champions, and then one uh, was a runner-up. So three really talented sisters. But Jamila McBride and Reese Laramendi, uh, right? You always talk about the fur flying. They combined for 42 points. Oh. And I know it's it's freestyle. It's different than folk style. But it was 22-20 when Jamila McBride uh, got the fall with two seconds to go um, in the match. But I'm telling you what. That was one of the more exciting matches, and that's going on, you know, while one of the guys' matches is going, and you're kind of watching past the guys' match to see them uh, just stockpiling points, Randy Lewis style. <laughs> you know, there are some high amplitude moves. Um, you know, I just really, uh, really exciting match um, there between McBride and Leonard Mendy, but. Uh, really good showing overall for the Iowa women. Right, Ed. I mean, uh, five chance, five runner-ups, and ten weights. That's pretty darn good. And then uh, um, yep. the uh, Life, who was who was in second place, had three champs, a runner-up, and and four thirds. So they had a nice showing as well, like you said. Um, the uh, really the the two top teams in the nation are Iowa ranked number one and North Central, you know, Division three school ranked. Uh, they're ranked number two. So and both have, I think, three or four number one ranked wrestlers in the nation. So, um, oh wow! So that's going to be fun to see that when it, when it, when we get to that national championship competition there. So um, anyway, yeah, I, I agree with you. And then the one thing about points being scored in freestyle. It's a slow reaction as to when they actually determine how many points are because you've got three officials. You got the official out on the mat, the mat, the mat judge, and the mat chairman. And it has to go, you know, if the, the official throws up a, a maybe a two, and then the the uh, mat judge throws up a four, and the now the chairman has to determine what's what is it, two or four. It's, and he only gets, you know, gets to choose two or four. He can't even go zero. <laughs> and uh so anyway, then, uh, you know, so it's right. a slow, it's, a, it's not like throw, hold up to a referee and then put it on the board. It's like has to go through this process. So that's interesting to see all of those points scored and uh, happen quickly. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's freestyle is a different, different animal. And uh, I'm not, I like freestyle, but I, I love folk style. Yep. Um, well, let's use this as a transition to this, uh, this upcoming week. Um with the national duels, um, you know, the, the national wrestling coaches and association association, bringing the net multi-divisional national duels back to Iowa. They'll be at the, uh, uh, Unidome this Friday and Saturday. Um, you know, the Iowa women, uh, I believe, uh, the top seed, um, as you mentioned, uh, uh, North central, uh, being number two, we saw, uh, you know, North Central here in Cedar Rapids. And, you know, they've got uh, some world-class talent um, on on their team. So, um, you know, just a, a strong field. Uh, 96 teams, I believe, up at the Unidome uh, between – uh, women's and, and uh, you know, men's D2, D3, all that kind of stuff. Is there just one in the past? There's been two. I, I, I failed to look at the women, I apologize for that. Two divisions 
for the women? Is there just two, one division this year? Uh, there was like a, uh, NAIA maybe, and there's uh, uh, NAIA women, and then the NCAA women. Right. So there's two divisions there. Divisions and, there. And then there's division. So there's two there. And then you've got division two, division three. There's four divisions, and then you've got NAIA men's and a little bit of junior college. So how many is that? Four, five, six different. Six or seven different uh, groups that are wrestling. So yeah, it's easy. To, like I think the biggest is Division Three. There's 23 schools in it this year, I believe. Division Two. The brackets aren't out yet, and it's frustrating because I don't want to see them. But I tried to build them myself, okay. and uh, uh, I think there's 16 teams in Division Two. 23. Uh, I don't know if one backed out or what, but that was fortuitous, I guess, because Co slipped in there. And they were not one of the top eight seeds, but they slipped in there and. Uh, They'll be wrestling the sixth seed. So they don't have a first round meet. So that's kind of good for Co, I guess. But here, I, on the, on the um, since I was talking about it, I can follow up. I do have that bracket with the D Division Three team. I can go through that, KJ, if you want. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Okay. So on the top half of the bracket, Augustana has the bye. They'll wrestle the winner of Cornell. Or Olivet Cornell's coming off of the Citrus Open. They did pretty well down there at the Citrus Open. So they'll, they'll if they beat Olivet, they'll have number one uh, seated and number one ranked Augsburg. Uh, in in that top quarter, then Co. and Johnson of Wales will have a will not have a first round match. They'll meet in the in the second round. And Johnson of Wales is a six seated team there. Uh, so that that's a beatable team. So Co. can you know if they're on. They can knock off Johnson Wales, and then they would wrestle, presumably Augsburg number one seed. And then uh, in the bottom of that of that some of that top half is Baldwin Wallace is the number five seed. They'll have a bye, and they'll wrestle the winner of Concordia Wisconsin or Luther. Luther will be wrestling Concordia Wisconsin, and uh, and then if they win, they'll wrestle Baldwin Wallace. Uh, in the uh, bottom of that that quarter. Um, uh, UD, uh, University of Dubuque, will be wrestling Concordia Moorhead, and the winner will wrestle North, North Central, who's the fourth seed. On the bottom half of the bracket, the number three seed, Wisconsin Lacrosse, will wrestle the winner of RIT or Milliken. Uh, and then uh, Castleton, the number six seed, will wrestle the winner of Merrimont or uh, Whitewater, University of Wisconsin Whitewater. And, and then uh, number seven seeded uh, TCNG and NJ, the College of New Jersey will wrestle uh, the winner of Aurora or mm -hmm. Wabash. And then uh, Warburg seeded number two, they'll wrestle the winner of Loris or Alfred State. So all of our area D3 schools are, are in the tournament. So good for them uh, for being there and competing. I did want to mention this. This is kind of neat. I'm going I'm to do a sidebar here on, on the University of Dubuque. I, I was looking at their, their team picture today. And in the team picture, it's a combined men's and women's uh, picture, but in the team picture, they have two oh, cool. Olympic silver medalists in their team picture as coaches. I'm not sure if you're aware of it. The head head women's coach is Dennis Hall. He's a, a three-time medalist yep. and a silver medalist in Greco-Roman of all. I mean, we don't have very many Greco-Roman stud medalists, and uh, so he's the, and he's the head women's coach and assistant men's coach, and then uh, a guy named Barry Davis. You might have heard of him before. Cedar, Cedar Epidian. Oh, yeah. 
And uh, he's, I think he's volunteering and helping up there at, at times. Um, of course, Barry was a multi-time state champ for Prairie and then uh, 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 Wisconsin head coach for many years. So both of, both of them are Hall of Fame members. So that's my sidebar on the University of Duke. And you know what? University of Duke has shown pretty darn good improvement this year. Uh, you know, they were fourth in a 17-team tournament and third in a fourth yeah. tournament. And they haven't had any duels yet, but, but uh, good for them. So it's good to see Barry Davis back in coaching. I know uh, after he left Wisconsin, um, you know, he was kind of doing the uh, 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 the company thing and and kind of in the corporate world a, a little bit. And it's uh, it's good to see him back working with a program. Um, there with McGovern and Paul and, and those guys. A couple of years ago, he told me that, I, I, I don't know if it's still true or not, that uh, that his boss's son was on the team, and I think he was helping coach him. Uh, you know, But that was a couple of years ago, so I don't oh. know if he's still on it or not. So, But he's still in the picture. <laughs> Literally. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh just looking at uh, the D2 programs that are there. Um, I think this is a mix of uh, men's and women's, but uh, the D2 level, obviously, Upper Iowa, uh, Central Oklahoma, West Liberty, Lander, uh, who's done amazing things since uh, they started their program. They're, they're only a few years in, and, um, you know, they're one of the top – uh, programs in D2. Uh, Lake Erie, St. Cloud State, Nebraska Kearney, uh, Indianapolis, McKendree, Ashland, uh, Augustana, South Dakota, Glenville State, Newberry, uh, the University of Mary, Mary, Tiffin, Northern State, and of course we mentioned the Peacocks uh, of Upper Iowa um, in the D2 field. Um, NAIA uh, one one um, comment, KJ. I, I tried to build the the uh, Division Two bracket, and it was so squirrely to me with what they have on track wrestling. Trying to build it, it looks like Central Oklahoma is the number one seed, but they're the fourth ranked team in this in the nation. Lander's the number one ranked team, and they're the third uh, seed in this tournament. Uh, Upper Iowa is the number ninth ranked team, and they drew Central Oklahoma first round. So I mean, I don't understand. <laughs> so. So I, I, I don't know, yeah. if, you know, if they, I don't know, the seedings just didn't make sense based on the the coaches rankings. That's the NCAA coaches rankings too, dual rankings. So, um, yeah, I was confused. Yeah. On that. That's kind of strange, but upper Iowa does have central Oklahoma first round. So based on what that'd be a tough one for, for them right out of the gate. Um, the NAIA field, um, Grandview, uh, life, um, kind of high headline things a, a little bit. They've had some battles, um, on the men and women's side. Uh, Southeastern, Campbellsville, Kentucky, Menlo, California, Doan, Indiana Tech, Providence, Montana, uh, Ottawa University, uh, Cumberland's. Um, in Kentucky, Southern Oregon, Oklahoma City, Central Methodist, Marion University out of Indiana, 
Graceland and then William Penn, uh, who had some uh, uh, women at the uh, Soldier Salute, where uh, I believe Jake Cato and uh, Cash Wilkie are, uh, have moved from Iowa Wesleyan to William Penn um, to, uh, to continue their coaching careers uh, as well. But, yeah, I mean uh, – uh, this event has kind of bounced around. Glad it's back in Iowa. Um, it produces some really exciting uh, duels, especially once you get to the semis and, and even the quarters, uh, you know. Um, so this should be a fun two days up in Cedar Falls. Right. And uh, it's in the Dome, and there'll be um, – I, I, I don't know exactly how many mats, but I'm guessing – between 20 and 30 mats that spread across the, the dome floor. And uh, so it'll be, it's, it's fun to see that for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, any other college uh, items before we tee it off? And... Uh, I, I guess one, just this, uh, at the uh, on the girls' side, at the Soldier's Salute, the University of Dubuque did have a medalist in Alex Hoffert-Richter. Uh, at 155. So I'd like to mention that as well. So, I mean, sure. And get that in there. Um, and I guess the next competition, you already mentioned that, that Iowa has Nebraska on the 12th. You and I will be at Nebraska on the 6th this Saturday. They'll be wrestling oh, wow. Nebraska and Wyoming both. And then uh, Iowa State is at ASU on Friday. And then Cal Baptist, which is up in northern Colorado and, and, and uh, um, Walnut. And uh, that, that's on Sunday. So um, anyway, Cornell, uh, the Citrus Open did have a champion at 197. Uh, Trayton Stephan was first. And that's our first one in, uh, I think, four years, first champ there. So they oh, wow. had a runner-up at 84, uh, Kale McLaren. And then six others were in the top eight. So good showing down there. Definitely for the Rams. Uh, so, uh he heated up with uh with Briggs. What do you got for us here to start 2024? All right, here's my here's my rant. All right. It's pony up or shut up, or at least be civil. <laughs> <laughs> reading on uh, as I'm reading uh, uh, online responses to the poor Iowa football bowl game performance. I mean, who hasn't? Many people place blame on a couple of easy targets. What's the easiest target? The quarterback. And the posters were not kind to Deacon Hill. Uh, backup quarterbacks come in. Uh, the backup quarterback comes in and scrambles for some yardage. I did see some passes that didn't look very good. Uh, that's Marco Alainez. And uh, suddenly he's the new hope. I'm going, man, I got to respect the coach's opinion that, yeah, maybe Alainez can scramble a little bit. Hill might have a better arm. Not sure with his decisions. But, I mean, it's a tough job. And you, So that's kind of my point, the quarterback position. Okay, we talked about the NIL in an earlier podcast, and it's here to stay like it or not. Uh, of those thousands, and I'm telling you, thousands of negative posters, many that use a burner account that keeps their identity you know, uh, anonymous, I wonder how many of those people are contributing any money towards the Iowa NIL Swarm Collective. You know, So everyone can get out there and put their opinion and maybe be hurtful in their, in their words, but not anyone will pony up and and uh, help with that. So college athletics and athletes have become a professional business. Let's face it. 
Uh, if you want a five-star quarterback and a, and a line to protect them, you better be able to contribute to the swarm. I don't like where college athletics, are, where it is right now and where it's headed. Uh, I mean, good example are the bowl games. People are opting out, you know, for whatever, you know, just different things going on. Um, and if that's a different discussion. Um, anyway, I'm afraid it will reach into the high school ranks, and it kind of already ha has, as I've heard, you know, in some instances at football level. And lastly, I wonder how much gambling is affecting the, the fan bases of these schools, you know, with their with their comments and their decisions and getting all irate and instead of being civil. So my, my comment is, let's be civil online, people. Say, <laughs> say it like you would say it to their face. It just gets really old. So, no, I, I agree. Um, we talked earlier. Um, I'm going to piggyback on that just a little bit. Um from some of the things, some of the fallout with uh, the AJ Ferrari, uh, Zach Glazier um, dust up after their their final at the Soldier Salute. Um, you know, I always do my best to stay away from message boards, and uh, um, I've really fallen out. Of, I've really fallen out of love with social media here in recent years, just because you know, the tones and responses, you know, can be negative. And you don't know who's, you know, usually it doesn't come with a name like you kind of mentioned. Um, but I'll just give you some background. Um, you know, I started the Gazette in 1999. Uh, I started in advertising to try to see if I could stink my way in the sports. I was just out of college. Uh, well, not just out of college. I worked in a factory for about six months, worked in advertising. Sports has always been a huge part of my life, whether competing, coaching, whatever. Um, you know, and I got that opportunity in October of 1999. I worked uh, as an agate editor. So in other words, I was punching in scores and more, you know, all that, all those box scores and stuff that they don't necessarily run as much of. That's why I did. I got my first beat in 2001. I started covering wrestling in the uh, 2002-03 season, which was the sophomore year of the group with Jay Borschel, Joey Slayton, Mitch Mueller. Uh, Ryan Morningstar, you know, Chad Beatty, uh, those guys, right? Um, 2009, I went down for the last day of the NCAA championships, covered, helped out J.R. Ogden with that coverage next year. Uh, that ended up being J.R.'s last full-time finals or, or college season, and I took that over in 2010. So for the last 13, 14 15 years, what have you, okay? Um, I've, and I've, the only reason why I'm, I'm bringing this up is because, you know, I've devoted a lot of time to wrestling on different different levels. Um, over the last two to three days, I've read comments, not just from fans, but from journalistic colleagues who indirectly called me a coward, a disgrace, um, said I was negligent, 
Um, you know, and, and that stems from the fact I was part of the scrum that interviewed Tom Brands after the soldier salute and did not ask about the dust up at the end of the Zach Glazier AJ Ferrari match. So I'm gonna I'm gonna share my reasoning with this. Okay. AJ Ferrari, as far as I know, is not somebody that signed with the University of Iowa. My interpretation is if they're not somebody that has signed on the dotted line, coaches cannot talk about. It. Now I after starting to see some of the response, I texted a colleague who said, well, you know, does that really include, you know, the aftermath of just, you know, two guys getting into it like that and his thoughts on that situation? And it's like, well, you got to point, you know, maybe I could, maybe, maybe that was how I should have handled it. Maybe it was. And trust me, there's nobody that second guesses themselves more than I do, you know, and I really, you know, I really think I, you know, I'm hard on myself when it comes to certain things. Here, Here's the thing. You know, it's real easy when you're sitting in a seat or sitting on your couch and you're not involved in the things from day to day to throw out really you know, I don't want to sound like a like a wine ass or a baby, but when you're sending out hurtful things about people that have sacrificed a ton to provide content to promote a sport that means a ton to them, you know, it's been a tough few days. Now, part of it, maybe I do feel like, yeah, you know what, I screwed up. Damn it. I should have, but you talk about the negative comments and, and stuff like that for players. Well, it exists for writers too. And let's face it, uh, media is looked at in a whole different light than when I even started. Um, it's harder to get people to, to talk to, to harder to get interviews. It's harder to be able to to just do our job on a day-to-day -day basis and then to turn around and have, you know, a lot of vileness talked about the people that are in that scrum and doing those things. You know what? It just gets old. And I'll be a hundred percent honest in August. I was one foot out the door because of some stuff like this. There are other factors too, but you know, you've been around me long enough. Um, you know how much effort gets put into this and how tough it is behind the scenes to try to do certain things. The last thing, you know, I think people understand is when they go off on that, what actually goes on and all the circumstance, circumstances that factor in. I understand people want to know this and people want to know that. But then you look at Kim Mulkey and you try to ask questions like that. And she says, you're not entitled to that information. You know, so you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, and you can't make either side happy. 
you know, and it just it just gets old after a while. And you know, you're gonna chase away people that actually care about the sport, and they already have. Um, you know, I know some people that are retiring and and ready to be done. Um, with coverage, um, but I don't know. Maybe that's self. Maybe I'm. I'm being self-pitying pitying or what what have you. Um, but just the carry on the back of that, kind of dealt with some of that negative stuff online. And again, not just from, you know, not just from fans and readers, but colleagues who I know I've been in the same scrums with them and they've never pulled the trigger either. So that's just my two cents with with things but right. we move forward right yeah. oh yeah folks i'm gonna say this this is an award-winning journalist that we're that we're that we're dealing with right here kj pilcher and we're lucky to have him certainly in, in eastern iowa and uh, in covering the college beat with the with the university of iowa they're lucky to have him they may not always appreciate him but you know coaches in the high school ranks and coaches at the, at the university but man, this guy works his tail off, and I I respect him now even more that I'm out of coaching than I ever did when I was, and I respect him a ton then. And it goes back beyond that; it goes beyond KJ. It goes to J.R. Ogden, who is also a, a wrestling man, and and allows allows the Gazette to keep uh, KJ on those beats and, and right. covers and puts stuff into the newspaper and online, and it allows us to do this. And and uh, you know we're lucky, and, and if you. If, if you don't think we are, if it goes away, then you're going to miss it a lot. I'm telling you that right now. And, uh, you know, so I'm just saying this, people, that's my hope. One, one of my points on my uh, tee it off today was let's be more sensitive with our online statements. And, you know, don't just get on there and do a knee-jerk reaction. You know, I read something that I, you know, it's two hours after the fact that people are being morons. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. And then, you know, the, the, you know like this year, complaining about the football game while the game's going on and then they end up winning it it's like you, now how do you you know you go back and look at that statement now you look dumb and yeah. uh so you know my my proposal is say online what you'd say to their face and if, you know if, if you can stand up and say that to their face then you know that'll say something about you maybe one way or another so um but don't cower on it be, be kind that's just what i'm asking yeah, very, very few. I I will say I've had, probably had a, cu a couple people that have come up to me face-to-face -to, -face to say some things over the years, over the years. Um, I, I'll credit this. This is a longtime Hawkeye supporter, Bob Dane. Yeah. I've had Bob Dane come up to me and say, hey, man, why – what were you doing with this? Or, you know, why didn't you ask this? And, you know, it's like, ah, gosh, yeah, you know, well, this is what I was thinking. Or, you know, I just, I fumbled, you know, I had, yeah, I, I wasn't thinking at the time or sometimes not so much now because deadlines are different, but back then deadlines are just, sometimes you're just in a fury and you're trying to get something, get back and try to file something before the deadline hits. And, you know, but, you know, uh, always respected Bob Dane because we have conversations face to face about, you know, 
stuff like that. You don't get that from message boards, people, message boards or, or some social media people. And not that I'm trying, I'm not trying to cry or whine about it. It's just that, man, you know, sometimes it's just unnecessary. Yep. Good for Dana. But, He's a good man. Yeah, he really is. Okay, so let's uh, let's close things up. We've gone uh, a little bit longer than we thought we would uh, today for, for various reasons, but uh, let's just look ahead really quick. We're going to be at uh, City High on Thursday, uh, Big Duel, Linmar City High, um, some really high-level uh, talent there um, on both sides. So that should be a fun duel on Thursday. Uh, we got boys and girls, right? Uh, boys and girls, and uh, at least on the boys' side, I haven't looked quite yet at the girls' side yet, but we have some, assuming the coaches don't change or shift, and I don't see them doing that too much in this, but we'll have a, a, a one weight, a number one versus number three, and a couple other high, highly ranked uh, uh, matchups as well, so it'll be a good meet to watch, and, and uh, you know, I I don't know that how close it'll be. I think it'll be very close, but, but uh, we'll see. Right now, it's, it looks like a it's gonna be the honey. Uh, and then uh, this weekend, some of the the beats, uh, you know, Linmar, they they jump right in uh, against City High on Thursday, and then they turn around and host their uh, uh, dual tournament line duels uh, on Saturday. And part of that field is Mount Vernon. Uh, very well could have uh, was it number five Linmar versus uh, number two or Mount Vernon, um, and that. Uh, in that tournament as well. So two really good duels for Linmar, possibly in the uh, in the three day stretch there. Right, and Linmar's had a tough schedule to begin with in the first yeah. half of the, the. They certainly haven't avoided uh, tough competition. So, um, and here we are again. So, yeah, it should be a fun weekend. I'll, I'll be at Anamosa uh, there, and and then uh, I think on Friday I'm going to try and wander up to the dome and and uh, watch that. So. I will be I will be covering uh, um, the national duels on Friday up at uh, up at the Unidome. John Steppy is going to go uh, on Saturday. He's coming back from uh, bowl coverage for football, and he's been covering the Iowa women. So he'll go up on Saturday. I will be able to go to Benton Community for the Eckenrod. That's always one of my favorite tournaments to to cover. Uh, you got some really. Uh, Good teams from uh, Central Iowa, Don Bosco, West Delaware, part of the field there. So, um, you know, so go ahead. Um, so we'll uh, we'll have coverage from the the Bobcat as well. Is the Menden Hall this weekend too, or is that next weekend? Uh, Names. I I think it's this weekend. I did not I think it's this weekend as well, too. So, um, no. a lot of good tournaments coming up uh, right out of the break. Right, because we used to go to the Menden Hall, and then we got out of that and went to the Benton Community. So, I believe it's, I'm pretty sure it's this weekend. So, um, so keep an eye out for, for that. Here is uh, action picks up on the second half of the season. Any parting shots, Coach Briggs? As we finish up our first pinning combination in 2024. Let's have fun, I guess. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks again for joining us uh, here at the start of the new year. 
Uh, look forward to seeing you each week here going forward again. Uh, and Coach Briggs, why don't you take us out and, and finish things off? Let's keep wrestling on the move. Thanks for watching, everybody. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.